Hi, and welcome to The Language Lie. A podcast about idioms. I'm Ingrid. And I'm Casey. How's it going, Casey? Well, we're having some technical difficulties, (laughs) but we're moving beyond them because... Because we are champions, and you know what? We can get through anything. We could do lots of things. This has been a great day. Except get audio to work. (laughs) (laughs) On a podcast, which is somewhat important. Which we've been doing for two years. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I have some follow-up, which I haven't had in a while. Wow. Yeah, first time. I'm really excited. So I sent our Flesh It Out episode to my friend Taryn, and they had lots of thoughts. Mm. They said that they agree with you, that Flesh It Out is utterly disgusting. Gross. Yes, it's gross. They also think that idioms are just kind of exclusionary, uh, which because they, they exclude non-native speakers. Which yeah, they're very confusing. Is extremely true, um, and they that's why we're. They could listen to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> they could listen to our podcast. If you have any non-native speakers, um, they then referenced it, just kind of like said these, you know, that idioms are exclusionary, and they said, for instance, Flower Day Alcohol Place. I was like. Well, I, they were like, I didn't know what that meant. Apparently Flower the, day alcohol place? Mm-hmm. Apparently it's the equivalent of F-boy. So, and I can't remember in what language, but I will find huh. out for you in case you ever need to say it. Okay. <laughs> they Interesting. Also, I mean, they, I feel excluded upon <laughs> with that I one. I do too. I also feel kind of happy though. Flower day alcohol place just sounds fun. Hmm. So... They also said they first heard Flush It Out and thought it was Flush It Out, and both mm. they hated. And now that it, they work in the corporate world, and it still rages on oh, in their dumb corporate life. Yes. It is often that I hear this, unfortunately. Which is perhaps why I don't know anything about it, because I don't participate in corporate life. Well, it's gross. Um, cool. So you have an idiom for us today. That said, yes, I have an idiom that is not that gross. Um, it is bury the hatchet. Oh, I like this. Oh, okay. This is a good one. Um, what does it mean? Tell me. You're just asking a lot of me, Casey. <laughs> I think it means to forgive someone or to put things, put the past in the past. Or let it go, as it were. Sure, yeah. Uh, Cambridge Dictionary says, um, defines this as to agree to end a disagreement that has divided two people or groups, or more, I would assume. Grammarist says to make peace. Uh, They went on to say, when you and your longtime enemy are burying the hatchet, you forgive each other and reconcile. All arguments are forgotten and both of you start over, which I feel like is very sweet. Um, it is very nice sweet. It's almost yeah. as sweet as a flower day alcohol place. Sure. Grammarist <laughs> also gave a couple examples. Uh, the nation's leaders knew that in order to bring peace, they had to bury the hatchet and put aside their past conflicts. Um, additionally, there's um, an example for any Taylor Swift fans out there, if you've mm. heard of her. Um, <laughs> Even I. Okay. <laughs> Swift had uh, even formed a fragile friendship with Kanye West and his new wife, seemingly eager to bury the hatchet after the 2009 VMA episode in which West interrupted Swift's acceptance speech to inform the award show's 9 million viewers that Beyonce had one of the best videos of all times. And to be fair, Grammarist is quoting this from Rolling Stone. So. Okay. Well, look at Grammarist Citation being trick. all um, 
hip. Hip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I do remember that moment. It's a yeah. moment that lives in infamy. Sure. Who knew who knew at that moment what was gonna happen with One Kanye of the West? most important moments, <laughs> I would say. One of the most important speeches ever given. Yes. Yes, definitely in modern uh, American history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Um, do you know the origin to this idiom? Um, no. Lizzie Borden is the first thing that comes to my mind. Lizzie Borden took she... an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. Hey, when for her our dad came in the room... Oh, my goodness. Gave him 42... No, I don't remember. I don't remember it either. But I do think she's cornered the market on axes and hatchets of all kinds. Sure, Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is not. Lizzie Borden. Okay. Do you have yeah, any she other... wasn't very forgiving. It doesn't sound like. She did Maybe not. She, she, had a... she might have had like a really rich um, inner life and was just a complex human, it sounds like. Hmm. <laughs> cool. Okay. Uh, no, it is not that. Would you like to hear the real truth? I'm dying the real to. truth. I'm dying to. That was a Lizzie Borden pun. <laughs> oh, wow. Thanks. Wow. Okay. Let that just sink in for a minute. Okay, go ahead, Casey. Wikipedia says that the phrase is an allusion to the figurative or literal practice of putting away weapons after uh, hostilities, um, specifically between Native American and Eastern, between the Native American communities and Eastern American, Eastern United States. Hmm. Yeah. So they uh, attribute this to the uh, Iroquois as an Iroquois custom in which weapons were to be buried after um, fighting had stopped. Um, As a symbolic gesture, um, more so than anything, Europeans first became aware of the ceremony in 1644. Wow, so this is an oldie. Yeah. First seen in print uh, in 1680 uh, with a dude named Samuel Sewall, who, as you probably all know, was a judge and businessman Mm -hmm. um, in Provence, I'm, I, I follow his Instagram. Oh, cool. <laughs> He's best known for his involvement in the Salem witch trials. Oh. Um, for which he later apologized. Oh. Yeah, so look at you him. should unfollow him. Yeah, I probably should, but at least he apologized. Okay. Uh, he is also known for his essay, The Selling of Joseph, which was published in 1700, in which he criticized slavery, which... If you've so ever read Stamped him. from the Beginning. We're following him again. Yes, we can follow him again. Okay. Yes. I, I don't know. He <laughs> condemned a lot of young girls to death. Mm, yeah. It's a tough balance. But the fact that he was critical of slavery in 1700. Yeah. That's cool. Anyway, so in 1680, he wrote this letter talking about a major going away to Albany where they met with uh, a tribe and they buried two axes in the ground, one for the English and one for the uh, Native American tribe. The ceremony, he says, to them is more significant and binding than all the articles of peace, as the hatchet is the principal weapon to the Native American community. Wow, this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful idiom. So, Engram mentions that it kind of obviously was around pretty early, right? 1644 is when it was first discovered by Europeans. 1680, when it was first uh, written about in a letter, really came to, to exist in the modern 
usage uh, in the 1800s, early 1800s, and and gained substantial popularity through the mid 1800s. Used pretty much through the 1900s around that same level, and then around the 2000s, it like spikes. Wow. You see it a lot in literature. Engram um, viewer is for anyone that doesn't know it. It analyzes uh, texts through publications. Um, so obviously nothing spoken, but from what we see written, um, there's there was a big spike around the 2000s. So that is the origin of this idiom. One thing I will say, we sometimes do an international idiom, mm-hmm. and we sometimes do a thing you shouldn't say. Yes. Grammarist tells us that we should not say this idiom. Oh, so we've done a whole episode on when we shouldn't say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. Okay. I can understand it's a cultural appropriation. Exactly. Mm. Yes. Despite its positive definition, bury the hatchet may be considered problematic because it appropriates Native American practices. Wow. And we should not do that yes. at all. I think there are better ways to honor the Native American people than yes. steal their traditions to use in our lazy language. And our dumb-dumb language. Yes, mm-hmm. dumb-dumb language, dumb-dumb. Grammarist says to consider some alternatives, like let bygones be bygones and or kiss and make up, which, to be honest with you, I've never researched either of those, and so who knows no? if those are also bad. Everything we say is bad. Everything we say is bad is the mm-hmm. point of this episode. So we should stop talking. So we should stop talking. So this was our last episode. Yes, so <laughs> goodbye. One other thing to mention... Bury the Hatchet is the fourth studio album by Irish alternative rock band The Cranberries, released on April 19th, 1999. Wow. So, I am so glad you didn't leave that out. I think Thank it's you. the most important that final part. <laughs> Not that last bit with the Grammarist. <laughs> Do you know no, that I this need... was a Cranberries album? No, I need to go listen to The Cranberries. Yes. So that is that. Amazing. Yeah. That is beautiful, and we can't say it anymore. I think the cool. idea of it is really beautiful. It's, it's, it's putting something that, you know, was a weapon that caused harm, caught yes. whatever, and putting it in the ground, deciding that in that moment together, we're moving past this. And I think that yes. concept is really nice. There's so much beautiful about the Native American culture. <laughs> so much more beautiful than what modern american culture is and yeah if i start thinking too hard about yeah let's not spiral yeah (laughs) we only have 15 minutes on this episode so so. (laughs) i do have an international idiom for you let's hear you would like to uh i'm gonna go ahead and send this over to you casey (laughs) have fun i love these oh my god okay What mm-hmm, language mm-hmm. is this? I've never seen half of these signals, symbols. Yes, that's why I'm not going to tell you what language it is, and I really want you to try to say it. Ayo, legja, hafuyi, I blit ye. I didn't know you were fluent in Icelandic, Casey. Yes, yes. Ayo, <laughs> could you tell? Yes. Yeah, when we went to Iceland, I'm sure I've said this on this podcast before, but I was just like, oh, you know, I speak Swedish. I'll probably be able to read some Icelandic. It's like you took any sort of Scandinavian word and added like 40 letters to it. Mm-hmm. And all of the symbols are. So it, I like, think that you're. 
all the letters had like symbols above them. Yes, uh, I would say seventy-five percent of them. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll put this up on our Instagram and in our caption or something. But um, it literally means to lay your head in water, and the English equivalent is to sleep on it. Interesting. But it's not super helpful to us because we will never be able to say it out loud. Mm. But you know. Do you ever? Yeah, you didn't. That nice you didn't give me the correct pronunciation. I cool, noticed. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not going to be doing okay, that. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, thank you for your research. Thank you for trying to pronounce Icelandic in a beautiful way. Uh, I really enjoyed this idiom. Uh, you, if you have another idiom you'd like for us to research, or if you can speak Icelandic, please email us at thelanguagelie at gmail or slide into our DMs on Instagram and Facebook. Also, we have a YouTube channel where we're including closed captioning, except for that Icelandic word, which YouTube will (laughs) not understand what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.